Thank you for downloading the Walking On Air podcast. Before I begin, I would like to thank the three fantastic sponsors of this podcast. Where are you going on holiday this year? Will you be exploring the mysterious moorlands of Dartmoor or the lovely lakes of the Lake District? Perhaps you would like an adventure in Andalusia or an autumnal wine walk in Sicily or Spain. Do you want to return to the roots of Nordic walking and have a go at cross-country skiing in Norway? Or are you looking for a challenge walk somewhere further afield in Africa, India or Canada? You can find holidays to all these incredible destinations and many more at walkingwomen.com. Local women guides provide in-depth knowledge of each area and will encourage you to walk a little longer and walk a little higher. Use the discount code WOA23 to get a £50 discount off your next walking holiday. Walking women take care of the organisation so you can take care of yourself. The next sponsor is the go-to supplier of brilliant Nordic walking poles. Nordicwalk.store is the leading independent online retailer of quality Nordic walking poles in the UK. Always warm and friendly, I can vouch for the fact that you will get excellent customer service in their capable hands. Nordicwalk.store will deliver Lecky and XL poles the next day anywhere in the UK and if you need advice about which pole is right for you, then contact Paula, who is always happy to help answer your questions. And finally, have you ever considered turning an activity you love into your actual job? If you enjoy being outdoors, meeting new people and staying fit, why not train to become an instructor yourself? British Nordic Walking offers internationally recognised high-quality instructor courses and provides amazing ongoing support for its instructor network. If this sounds tempting, then you can book an instructor training course with a £25 discount if you visit www.britishnordicwalking.org.uk, click on the Train With Us tab and book using the discount code WALKING23. I trained with British Nordic Walking back in 2014 and it provided me with all the information I needed to start teaching and gave me the confidence to set up as an instructor on my own. As a British Nordic Walking instructor, you too will benefit from ongoing support from the community and CPD opportunities to enhance your own knowledge. Further details, discount codes and links to the sponsors' websites can be found in the show notes. Hello and welcome to the double award-winning Walking On Air podcast. I'm Mary Fulton, a British Nordic walking instructor. And this podcast is the show for the whole Nordic walking community, from beginner to instructor, wherever you are in the world. Each week, I will be discussing various topics with experts, covering a diverse range of topics about ways in which Nordic walking benefits health and well-being. For the final episode of Series 4, I'm talking to Katie Atkins, who set up Nordic 4 in 2017, which is based in Bristol, teaching a wide range of adult, teen and child courses, with walkers aged between 9 and 90 years old. Katie started her career as a teacher in the primary sector, specialising in PE. This is the second time she has joined me on Walking On Air to share her expertise and knowledge of teaching children 
How to Nordic Walk. Katie Atkins, welcome back to Walking On Air. Thank you very much for having me back and um, for giving me this wonderful opportunity to talk about one of my great passions, which is teaching children Nordic walking. Loved doing the interview with you last time about the teens and so very excited to be back teaching this time about the primary children. Well, I'm really looking forward to getting on to that. Can you just remind us first how you yourself discovered Nordic walking? I discovered Nordic walking, oh gosh, about 16 or 17 years ago. And it was a friend outside the school gates who told me that they had just trained as a Nordic walking instructor and they were looking for a guinea pig to practice on. And I'd just returned actually from Switzerland and been on a walking holiday and seen lots of Nordic walkers and sort of thought, oh, yeah, I think I might really like to try that. Just was quite attracted to it, actually. And so leapt at the opportunity to, to be a guinea pig. And from the moment I picked up my poles, I just loved it. It was, I don't know what I can't describe it really, except the walkers often say the same thing, you know, sort of back to me now, that they just felt a connection felt it was something that they could really feel they could achieve in. They loved that connection with the with the sort of the ground, the understanding of how your body moves during the walk and an exercise, the propulsion of the poles. I think as well that ability to be outside all of the time, all year round, just that feeling of being alive. And I think I mentioned actually last time about being so right side dominant. Um, and that coming across when I first Nordic walked and thought, oh my word, you know, this is something that I need to address. I think I can say now, however many years later, that I'm very balanced (laughs) on my left (laughs) and my right side. (laughs) Are you ambidextrous? No, but you know what? I can actually now take a jam jar lid off with left and right side, which I wasn't able to do before. That's fantastic. So has that come from the grip and release? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, um, sort of linking that into the children. Yes. Before, Well, when I was thinking about becoming an audit walking instructor, um, the last year that I was actually teaching in school was when I started to do my qualification and fitness walking qualification. And at the same time, I did a pilot study in the school that I was in on sort of the benefits of Nordic walking for primary children with dyspraxia, dyslexia, being two of the um, things the children had. And one of the things that we sort of assessed them on was their hand strength right at the beginning of Nordic walking by being able to see how many times they could squeeze a hand therapy ball in 60 seconds. And then getting feedback from them and in terms of how tired they felt in their hands. Alongside what their handwriting was like in the classroom. And at the end of the year, they kind of blew their results out of the water in terms of how many squeezes they could do on their hand therapy ball. And all of the teachers noted an improvement in their handwriting. And that had just come, I think, from hand strength you know, there's fine motor skills. That's so there you go. amazing. That yeah. is a fantastic 
Unhe I've never heard of that being cited as a benefit of Nordic walking before, but then I've never worked with children other than my own children with Nordic walking. So I'm dying to hear more about this. So could you start by just telling the audience how you came to be teaching children how to Nordic walk? I've been in teaching for 30 years. 12 years of that was as a PE specialist and also a PE um, mentor sort of advisor for Westport as well. But I had a sort of a dreamy job where I taught an entire school from year three to year six, their PE sessions every week. So every week, sort of, I was teaching 365 children. And of course, I got to know them really well as well each year and how they develop. But it was also really interesting, sort of looking not only at how they developed in terms of physical literacy, but actually their approach and their self-belief, I suppose, when it came to PE and sport. And I really understood that unless you are able to give children a belief that they can be successful in exercise and an enjoyment and develop a love of sport before they leave junior school, then really for a lot of them, the cause is sort of slightly lost. You have to do that in the primary, you know, in the primary years. And a lot of the children who actually find it hard to get the enjoyment are those who struggle, you know, those who have dyspraxia or dyslexia, they're neurodiverse, they find working with others really difficult, they actually have poor self-esteem and confidence, so they don't put themselves forward in a team sport in the same way. And I started to think that Nordic walking actually could just be the ticket, and that was why I then did the pilot study in the school before I left. And from that moment, I started teaching children um, in a sort of community group. And then it just sort of grew into the teens on the Sunday, the Nordic for Teens, and then actually working within schools as well as in the community setting for primary children too. One of the things that you said there really interested me about the, the pilot study with children with dyslexia and dyspraxia. And I just wanted to ask a question that's more general and not focused completely on Nordic walking. Yeah. What is the link between boosting children physically and their performance in the classroom? So there is a huge, there is a huge link. I mean, I think that anybody would think just sort of generally that if you have a child that is sort of at one with themselves in terms of their strengths and weaknesses and has a sort of a quiet confidence about them, doesn't have to be a kind of a loud confidence, but a quiet confidence in who they are, they actually will be able to achieve their potential in a classroom setting. But when you place a layer on top of that of poor self-esteem, lack of confidence, complex home life, neurodiversity, just sort of seem to argue, don't seem to get on with people, then everything in the classroom suddenly becomes much harder. And I understand that from a you know teaching point of view, from having been a classroom teacher for many years as well. So if you can sort out some of those things, then you're enabling children to have a greater chance to achieve their potential in the classroom. And I think that 
now, particularly from the pandemic as well, children are coping with an awful lot of things. And to enable them to achieve yeah, their potential in their normal curriculum subjects, we're actually finding more and more that we need to be addressing all of these other issues and soft skills, if you like, around it all. And that actually is one of the main focuses of my work that I do at a, a school in Bristol, which is called Stoke Bishop Primary School. And the head teacher today said, oh, no, you can mention, mention our name, mention our name. I've worked there for seven years and I work on a weekly basis with a group of children, helping them to enable them to then go into year six and finish their final year at primary school sort of in a, in a more confident position than they perhaps other would have been. One of my questions was going to be what soft skills children actually gain by learning to Nordic walk, but I'm going to ask it now because okay. to, <laughs> you brought it up and I'd love to hear yeah, it. Yeah, um, Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple. I mean, one of the things that I do, and as I say, the school are very happy for me to talk about this and I'm not going to sort of obviously mention names but one of the things that I do with the children is when I've been teaching them for a couple of weeks we we have these little pupil chats and it's really the start of me actually forming an impact study because in these little chats they are very you know very sweet and um, they tell me what it is that they would like to achieve in their goals by the end of the year. And the interesting thing is, is that every now and again, one of them will talk about the fact that they, they feel they want to get fitter. But actually, most of the time, it's totally different. So I've got a couple I'll, I'll read out to you here. To try and not get frustrated in teamwork, to be able to feel I could put myself forward for a role of responsibility and make a difference to the environment. To feel confident enough to put my hand up to answer more questions and not worry that I might get them wrong. To find writing easier. To enjoy having fresh air and space for myself. To enjoy walking and talking with a partner. To have more fun and to feel more confident to make friendships and be more confident in friendships and know how to keep a friendship going. And then one little girl I asked once and I said, if you could wave a magic wand to make something easier for yourself, what would you wish for? And she said, I want to be more confident. I want to be able to stand up in front of people and dance. Actually, I just want to be braver. And for her, and for these other children that I work with, and those lots of different examples I've given you, lots of different sort of goals, um, I use Nordic walking as a vehicle to address all of these different issues. Now, this is this is with a um, this is on a particular programme that I have with Stoke Bishop Primary School and have done for the last seven years. Um, but it's very powerful in showing the difference that you can make um, 
and teach in other, you know, in other settings. And I run activity sessions and taste days and neurodiverse days. And, you know, that's with much larger groups. But I think this is just to share how you can make a difference with a cohort like this. And what you'll probably realize is that they're not talking necessarily about wanting to be the best Nordic waterfall on the planet or anything no, like that. No. As I said, it's about using Nordic walking as, as a vehicle. As a vehicle to address all of these things. And this is at primary level. I know what strikes me is how these very young children are articulating goals which relate to quite high emotional intelligence and very important life skills. Oh, yeah, completely. But they're also things that these children, you know, it's really important to them. Yes. And, and just to be clear, incredibly honest, you how know. old are they? Are they about sort of 10? This is, yeah, they, yeah, they're year five. So they're nine going on 10. And for this kind of work, this age group is, is the right age group because they have already worked out in school kind of where they are. So in, in basic terms, they know what they're good at and they know what they're not good at. And they know where they are within their peer group. They've kind of sussed all of that out and therefore they know the things that they want to be able to change and make a difference to. They, they know what's important to them. I have worked with year four in the past, but we've realized that year five is the key group to make a difference. So they go into year six and they're kind of, they're ready to fly. Can you put down that growth in confidence? Can you put down to Nordic walking itself rather than just natural maturity that comes with each month that they age? As I said, this is, you know, this is a, a specific way of using Nordic walking. Yes. I'll give you an example. So the, the little girl who wanted to be braver. Yes. Because that's what her goal was. So whatever their goals are, I slightly change my teaching plan so that I can incorporate things that will help them develop that confidence in whatever area they're looking for. So for her, um, she started off just by leading kind of one exercise in the warm-up and it was just kind of bouncing a leg up and down. That was it. But then she increased to being granny in grandmother's footsteps. And then she increased to being able to showcase some of her Nordic walking technique to the group. Then she went from that to teaching the head teacher how to Nordic walk on her own. And alongside that in the classroom, I set her little goals. So she would try and put her hand up just once in the week. And she then tried to write a little bit more writing and she thought she might be brave enough to clean out her guinea pig. And by the end of the year, she took part in the main school production for the first time since her arrival at the school from reception. And, you know, was was sort of thinking, yeah, you know, I'm, I might even go on school camp. So it's... Wow. I can see exactly how that could transform a child's view about themselves. I think that's incredible to use Nordic walking in that way. And I've just... You can't see me, yeah. but I've got this massive grin on my face. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> so traditionally, children have always done a lot of 
team sports, and we don't always think of Nordic walking as being a team sport. Can you think of any examples of the way that Nordic walking has brought children together as a team? But I did have a group of children um, once who came to me because they were struggling sort of a bit socially. And they basically told me at the start that they were unable and unwilling <laughs> to work together as a group. Um, You're perfect, perfect. Marvellous, marvellous. And there were boys and girls, so they were unwilling and unable to work together, mixed, or within their separate groups. You know, it was quite a challenge. And really, it was about directing teaching to enable them socially at the end of the year, hopefully, to, to, to all come together as one happy, happy kind of bubble. It did take a, a lot of time. It took a lot of time working with them individually, working, doing a lot of walking and talking, first of all, with people that they would walk with, and then sort of thinking who they might begrudgingly walk with. A lot of discussion about actually how in life you sometimes have to work with people. You don't have to be their friend, but you actually have to work with them. And as you go higher up a school, that is what is going to happen. How do you cope with that? Well, it's the same with adults, you know, um, in a workplace, you might have to work with people that they might not necessarily be your natural friend, but you have to learn to work with them. So it's a life skill. And I also say to them, you know, you don't have to worry about whether they're going to be your best friend or not. It's actually how do you learn to just get on with it? And it was the final session. And I'd decided we were going to do a scavenger hunt. I sort of said to them, okay, so this is what we've been working towards all year. You can create your own teams. You can have mixed teams. What do you want to do? And all the girls turned to each other and said, let's take on the boys. And the boys were like, yeah, take on the girls. And it was the first time that I thought, oh, my God, they've bonded. You, know, bonded. <laughs> you got there. Got there. So the boys, you know, they all supported each other. The girls supported each other. They were happy working within those teams. And then right at the end of it, they suddenly all sat spontaneously in one circle. And one of the children picked up a blade of grass and started to blow it, you know, like a whistle. And then this one particular girl started to teach them all how to blow on a blade of grass. I looked at them and they were laughing and they were all sitting as a mixed group, all together in a circle, all laughing about the noise they were making on the grass. And I suddenly thought, actually, through the Nordic walking through the year, socially, you know, they'd made huge progress. They'd show great technique in their ability to walk, but also run, skip, jump, in all their physical literacy with the poles. And they actually had learned patience. That actually is the power of Nordic walking. In terms of how schools view Nordic walking as well. And this was a word from a head teacher of Stoke Bishop Primary School in Bristol, um, David Forrester. And he put this in the school newsletter after he was sort of involved in different activities in the school at, at the end of a Christmas term. He said, I have to say that my personal favourite bit was joining the Nordic walking team on Wednesday, who worked with Katie Atkins. They were extremely welcoming and patient with me. 
as they taught me how to do Nordic walking and were great fun in sharing their warm-up games that they had devised. And they really did warm me up. The growing confidence, the effort they put in, and the general sense of children relaxed and enjoying themselves whilst learning some key skills was a real pleasure to witness. And I think that that, for me, shows the the value that Nordic walking can provide in a school setting. Well, that was a fantastic endorsement from that headmaster, Katie. And I think it will inspire other people to go and contact their local primary schools and see if they can offer a similar service, because who wouldn't want to get accolades like that to have on their websites too? Yeah, so no, absolutely. So do you have to adapt the 10 steps when teaching primary school children in any way? If I'm completely honest... The 10 steps in the nicest way is is just not there in in children's world. So there are certain things which for particularly, you know, sort of thinking more of primary children that you want to think about. And the first thing for the primary children, if you were thinking about stages in that way, like 10 steps, but but not, the first thing really is for them to learn how to use opposite arm to opposite foot. Yes. That's that's the biggie. And then after that, it's kind of learning the power of propulsion and posture can, can come into it as well in terms of just how they're sort of, you know, holding themselves. But I link that a lot into what it says about their their messaging about, you know, their confidence and their body rather than how you would do that with, with an adult. And then actually it's very much really about physical literacy, which is to do with the basic skills of walking, running, jumping, skipping. So the way I teach it is very much linked into walking, running, jumping, skipping, rather than the 10 steps and actually how you use opposite hand to opposite foot in that way. I'd like to know what the main challenges are that you yourself face when teaching Nordic walking to children who are this young. But I'd also quite like to know what the main barriers to exercise are that these children are facing. Okay, so the first one, I think that, you know, children like to be engaged and they like things to move quite quickly. So I suppose the challenge would be as an instructor in terms of coming up with your teaching plan that is going to keep the children engaged for a sustained amount of time with enough variety, how you organise your outside classroom. You might be on a school site, but you might actually be in a park. And then there's the behaviour management side as well in terms of how do you get back, them back to you quickly? You know, boom, 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 we're off. And also what's appropriate for each age group. And I I learned this very quickly with a year three group of 30 children who were beside themselves with excitement at the Nordic walking poles. To the point that to actually even begin to talk to or teach them anything to do with Nordic walking or get, was just hard work. So the next time I taught a year three class, who were all kind of like tigger bouncing around I handed them invisible poles 
And I said, right, you have to, you know, you have to come over here. I'm going to hand you your invisible poles. And we made sure they were the right height for them. And I'd already demonstrated with invisible poles what they were going to do. And it was just wonderful because looking, looking across the school field, there were all these children kind of so concentrated, doing opposite hand to opposite foot with invisible poles. And then I gathered them in and then they did invisible Nordic jumping, skipping. And by the time they'd done all their invisible work, I then invited them to come and receive their Nordic walking poles, their, their real ones, which they kind of just took and off they went. And they were just doing it appropriately because they got over the whole kind of whole thing. Obviously, you know, you have to be very creative and you have to think a little bit like a child, which which is fine because I do. So there we are. <laughs> well, one of the things I love when I'm teaching Nordic walking is the conversations that come out of the classes. But I only teach adults. So do you have that similar experience, but teach the wonderful conversations where a child will suddenly go off and tell you all sorts of things and open up about all sorts of things? Yeah, and and I suppose actually, you know, we were still mentioning about challenges and that actually is another thing that you have to be aware of when you're working with children because when children walk, they talk. Yeah, and they can get completely carried away with their imagination. I mean, they're wonderful. I find children fascinating and really yeah, funny. They can. They they absolutely can. And at the same time as well, they can also disclose things. So you, you do have to be aware of that side as well. Um, and so there is that more serious side of safeguarding and kind of protocol there. We have this thing we do when we walk and talk because they're quite funny. So they... And then... They're suddenly in pairs and we do walk and talk with every session. But then suddenly when they're the little ones, when they're side by side, they suddenly don't know what to say to their partner. So we came up with a game about, okay, if you were a vegetable or a fruit, what would you be? And you have to have a conversation about that. So I would say, well, I'm a banana. I'm a banana because, you know, whatever it is. Anyways, they all roar about laughing. And then before you know it, we're all walking along and everybody's a different fruit or vegetable and conversation started. And then you progress it on to films or books. And actually then it, you guide it down a slightly different sort of route because some of these children might find it quite hard talking, you know, socialising or just having a chat. So you're teaching them basic conversational skills. Yeah. So you actually then end up saying, look, you know, you've just had a talk about films and books and being a banana or, you know, whatever. When you're in the classroom and you're having to work in a group with people you don't know, you now know how to make a conversation with them. So somebody listening to this is inspired to find out more about how to go about teaching children. What what should they do? Where do they start? Um, well, I think, you know, British Nordic Walking is the first contact. Um, I'm also, I'm really happy to talk to people. I've, you know, probably every month I talk to instructors about an approach to teaching children. The thing that seems to come out is the the management of the children and the adapting of technique. And I've been doing that for seven years. 
I have lots of evidence on the just the amazing benefits of Nordic walking for children in so many settings. Um, so would you be happy for me to share your contact details in the show notes so people can get in touch if they want to find out more? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I I'd love to. That. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, very much so. <laughs> and I think I've asked you this before, but I'm going to ask again. What is your favourite of the 10 steps and why? I thought that the right thing to do would be to bring out my inner child and that this question, not as an adult, but actually as a child. And so it has got to be pushing through the pole because we do this thing with the children where they become a Marvel character and they have incredible powers and the push gives you power and they literally think they fly like Superman you know, they fly through the air when they're a Nordic frog. The children who never really felt they had that inner power in them find it. Yeah. And the ones who are competitive, well, they just think it's great because it's given them extra power. Um, and they can't believe how far, how much faster they can walk or how much faster they can run and how much lift they get. That just makes me smile and it tickles me I just think it's it's incredible it's the poles wow. bring out their physical power and their inner power that's there fantastic <laughs> How wonderful. and then the final question is yes. what is your top tip for walking on air my top tip for walking on air okay I would say that I think when you Nordic walk you learn a lot about your body physically and how it responds in exercise and you accept it and then you learn what you can do about it either to improve or when you need to pull back or what you know whatever it is you you learn to read your body to listen to your body would be my would be one top tip can i have more than one top tip you can have more than, one, more than one, absolutely. And then my other top tip would be to to take that time to notice not only what is within you, but is what is around you. And I say this to the children, and we've been talking about how you look around yourself and you notice what is around you. And you notice it and you kind of nod to it and you pass a compliment to it. And, and I think that's something I've learned to do as an adult, is to really appreciate my surroundings. So I would say look within and look out. There we go. Great advice. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. I am inspired. I want to go and find a group of children to come and make me laugh while I Nordic walk. Thank you for coming on Walking On Air and um, I hope we get to see you again soon. Thank you very much and I would always love to talk to you, Mary. Thank you. If you would like to find out more about how you go about teaching primary age children, Katie has very kindly agreed to share her contact details, which I will include in the show notes and she has assured me that she would be delighted if anybody wants to get in touch and she's happy to speak to you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have found it useful, then please rate and review this podcast on the platform that you listen on. And consider recommending a friend to listen, just one friend. It will help spread the word about Nordic walking and about this podcast. If you have found this podcast beneficial and would like to show your support, then I would be extremely grateful if you would consider occasionally making a small donation, just the price of a cup of coffee, by clicking on the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. If you have any feedback, suggestions of topics you would like me to discuss, or a story that you want to share on this podcast, please get in touch by emailing hello at walkingonairpodcast.co.uk. You can also follow the show on social media. On Facebook, it is simply Walking On Air, and on Instagram, the handle is walking underscore on underscore air underscore podcast. Have a great week and happy Nordic walking. And finally, before I go, I would just like to thank this episode's sponsors, British Nordic Walking, NordicWalk.store and Walking Women. Their support enables our community to share knowledge and learn together.